So, hello everyone and welcome back to another one of our Influencer Chat series. So today we are talking about uh, ROI, stands for Return on Investment. In this case, it, it also stands for Return on Influence. So I'm joined by uh, three experts on this and we want to kind of talk about finding the ROI uh, of, of influencer programs and I think hopefully everyone on the on the call kind of comes at this from from their own angle so looking forward to a really interesting discussion I'm going to kick off by asking everyone to kind of introduce themselves let us know um, a little bit about their background and how they got into influencer marketing so Chris did you want to kick us off Certainly. My name is Christopher Penn, co-founder, chief data scientist of TrustInsights.ai. And I didn't really get into influencer marketing. My focus is on analytics and data science. So in a lot of cases, uh, we have clients and others who are asking, how do I measure influencer marketing? And so I guess to the extent that I am an influencer, uh, it's, around, it's around data and AI. So that's, I guess, the, the short version of how I got into this. It's all around the data. Cool, great, Andy. Uh, so I'm Andy Rivikarnak. I'm a partner at a London-based uh, PR agency called Headland. Uh, I think the, the the point to mention here in terms of how I got into uh, influencer marketing is it's really as an adjunct to the broader work that we do day in day out with clients. I think also the the sort of clients that we work for it's a very broad range that um, that we are dealing with uh, their corporate reputations. That's either across uh, corporate communications, financial PR, public affairs, and uh, and campaigns. And I think. Um, there was a moment of sort of revelation for me in terms of how I started uh, using a, a lot of sort of influencer work into, into my day-to-day -day job. And that was around 2014, 2015. We were working with an energy client, a FTSE listed company in the UK. And um, there was a big uh, regulator press conference going on online. It was a webinar. And we could see that a lot of the journalists who our clients traditionally have always seen as like the ultimate arbiter of their reputations. How are we with the journalists? That's how they measure whether or not they're winning on a day-to-day -day or even on a year-by-year -year basis. And we could see that a lot of the journalists were talking to somebody who had never been on our radar before. Um, we were generally a focus on uh, broadsheets and nationals and, uh, and broadcasters, but not trade media, not very niche trade media. And that was the moment where we saw somebody who had never appeared on our radar, who a lot of the uh, most influential media were going to for insights and advice as to how this press conference should be interpreted. And that actually uh, uh, informed the way that the media dealt with the traditional media, dealt with that story the next day. And I think that's the where it plays into sort of my life, which is um, how to what extent do the influencers uh, make an impact on the decision makers and the buyers of our services, which is what they want to know is how are they seen, how are they perceived, and how is their reputation changing over time. Cool. And Ronald, finally. Yeah, I, I've just launched a new company called the Intelligent World, which is an online consulting and content research network for thought leaders, for analysts, and, and for influencers. And I previously worked for, for almost six years for a consultancy firm in data analytics, just like, uh, like Chris. And what we defined as a strategy six years ago, where we said, okay, we want to build thought leadership in the domain of big data. And I thought, okay, let's share my knowledge via Twitter, via LinkedIn. I was active on LinkedIn. I didn't believe in Twitter. I thought it was more for Justin Bieber and for Katy Perry. Um, but I started sharing my knowledge as well on, on Twitter and got quite some traction, sometimes even 30 times 
more than the company itself with the company brand, which was quite remarkable. Um, and I spent three, four hours per day um, for, for quite a while and, and built up um, a social follower base by, by sharing all my knowledge. And at a certain moment, the chief data scientist from Intel called me and said, that was Bob Rogers at that time, and said, um, I want to work with you. You have such a great um, audience, great follower base. And we started creating content together. And once I st started creating content with him, um, we started doing webinars, articles. Uh, basically, other companies came and said, hey, can we do something together as well? So they provided me um, research. Um, we started creating content. And that um, accelerated at a certain moment. I had to split my job because I couldn't um, basically support both uh, both the uh, two types of, um, of, of jobs um, and built a whole team around me. And we're generating 400, 500 videos now per, per year. Um, I'm a vlogger, blogger. Um, I created a coaching series, two coaching series basically already um, about AI strategy and conversational AI. Um, so that's how I get into it, create more content and more content and yeah, you get more traction and you can't get out of it, and, uh, out of it anymore, I think. Yeah. yeah, great. So that's um, that's our panel. So I, I want to kick off by asking kind of what are the maybe what are some of the metrics that we all go to to, to kind of track the performance, I guess, of, of, of influence and marketing as a tactic. I mean, maybe I'll go straight back to you, Ronald, like when you're thinking about all that content are, you know, what, what are the metrics that you're thinking about? Is it, is it the obvious kind of content performance stuff or, or you know, like views or, or engagement or are there other things that you would try and layer on top of that when you're, when you're thinking about the key metrics that, um, you know, organizations should be using? Yeah, there, there are multiple aspects and, and multiple elements. I think one of the most important ones is your brand. Um, so companies really look for an authority in the industry that has experience, that understands the industry. Um, so I think that's not really a metric where you can say, okay, um, what's what's um, what's your brand? Is it the nine? Is it the ten? Is it the seven? Um, I know there are, of course, many rankings like with Analytica. But it's also about the quality of the content, your respect, uh, your respect in the industry. Um, and if you have a, a brand, I think other brands start opening up, um, connecting you with, with executives. Like um, I interviewed the, the CTO from Microsoft, from, from Google Cloud, from Huawei, from Ericsson, and more than 400 other subject matter experts and, and leaders in the industry. So I think it's not a hard metric, but I think it's one of the most important ones. Another metric, but that's more for myself. I want to stay independent. I don't want to get involved in any politics. Um, so some companies yeah, really like to discuss and say, hey, if you work with me, um, you, you can't be an independent anymore. You have to work with me. Um, that's what something what um, I self try to, to avoid. Um, the other part is the, relevance, the relevancy of the content. And there you can really think about this engagement type of statistics. Um, it's fo focused on a specific topic, um, so everybody has its expertise, so you can't be uh, uh, have relevant content in, in any domain. It should be very focused, it should be in-depth, it should be actual, spot on, and I think it should be respected by your peers as, as well. And then there's, of course, this more logical, obvious type of, of um, statistics and metrics like you know, your views, your comments, your shares, your likes, um, do, does your audience like your content? But it's also about the audience, um, which 
type of people, roles, uh, which geo, which type of companies are they working with. Um, so um, it's very important who is your audience and you don't have to have a large audience if it's very, very relevant. And I think one other part which is important is the volume. If you post once a month, um, when, when we started, I think I posted one blog a month. Um, now I post two or three times per day. Um, so the volume per, per day, per week, per month is getting more and more important as well to stay on top and stay top of mind. Um, if I look, let's say one level and, and next level, um, I created my own platform, which is the intelligent world. There I look more to even more in-depth content, which is more coaching series. Um, so where you start educating your audience, uh, three, four, five hours of, of video content and where you want people to consent, to, to register on your platform, uh, but also where you want to start generating leads. So then you have more hard metrics. And I think that's the direction, at least how I see it, where influencer marketing is going as well, like influencer marketing in the B2C domain. So that's, let's say, the, the, the general metrics. Then, of course, there are also um, some internal metrics like uh, cost of production, revenue, uh, gross profit, et cetera, et cetera, but that's more, more the internal part. And if you look from, okay, how do you get to these metrics? I think on one hand, if you talk to so many companies, um, I, I work with more than 50 leading tech companies, they start asking for metrics. So it's it's quite obvious you start delivering them. And then the other part, of course, it's common sense. Uh, you look for yeah. value yeah. in the funnel. Um, is it the top of the funnel? And, and the more you go in into the depth of the funnel, um, the more, the harder the, metric, uh, the metrics are. So that's, I think, from my perspective, from my experience, how my metrics are defined, and other and how I get to these metrics. Yeah, no, that that completely um, that completely makes sense. Chris, do you think there's are there kind of um, are there particular metrics that you, you tend to reach for? Do you think it it is as kind of as as Ronald said, it's more about the audience and and kind of. I guess is it is it just really contextual ultimately? It's contextual. You also have to do your homework. So think about your your operations follow, right? You have your bottom, which is all your revenue, which is obviously the one of the most important parts of ROI. And you have a step up from that, which is things like your closed deals on B2B, it's your you know, shopping uh, sales on B2C. And then you have steps progressively up your funnel, like you know, leads. You have uh, sort of towards the top branded organic search, the number of times someone is searching for uh, your company or your products and services by name. Each of these sets of metrics, and then above that, you have all of your influencer activities. So you have, uh, to Ronald's point, you have frequency, you have amount of content, you have who the individual people are. If you lay all this out in a giant time series, put think about it as just one gigantic big table, and you do something like a gradient descent or a multiple regression subset analysis across all these metrics with your target being that bottom of the funnel number, you can get a mathematical understanding of a relationship between your influences and their activity way over here and the steps that it takes to get down to that end goal, uh, you know, your revenue number that gives you a correlation. And then you build your testing plan to say, how do I test if Ronald is my influencer and I see, you know, a, a small but meaningful statistical relationship between that and say branded organic search, which we know then leads to leads. Okay, Ronald, what if you post twice as often? Do I then see a commensurate increase in branded organic search? 
If I do, then I know that you as an influencer are doing your job. You're getting us uh, additional people to think about us and to go Google for us and, and uh, follow on. Or if you have links to our content in your posts that you put up, do I see traffic from that? Go up, then that do I see that referral traffic convert down uh, the funnel and so on and so forth? So it's not necessarily a question of, the, just choosing metrics out of the air. It's doing the mathematical research to figure out what has a relationship to the outcome we care about. And if you do that, then you can figure out these are the KPIs, aka the number that we're all going to get fired for if we don't uh, hit our numbers, right? And then here are the things that lead to those KPIs. It's an exercise we call KPI mapping. Do that, and you have a much better line of sight to a business outcome that you really care about. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think you know, that ultimately just making sure that you're tying it back to things. Yeah, as, as you put it, the numbers people get fired over is is probably a, a good way of thinking about it to start with. Um, Andy, do you think, is, is, is there anything kind of wider that, that you try and you try and think about with this? We've kind of, yeah, we, we've, we've had a very specific angle. We've, we've had the sort of the wider benefits of, of your, your brand. Is there kind of anything else you would add to the mix? Yeah, I think um, I'm I'm being very uh, navel gazing here and looking at it through my world of um, of public relations and corporate reputation. And I think if you if you take the view that um, if we say what what do we get up every day to do in terms of the the corporate communications? In a sense, you could argue that corporate reputation and setting that is is basically providing the operating context in which marketing and marcoms can take place. Um, historically, I think many clients have just seen hard media coverage. Um, it's not so long ago when I, I kid you not, I hear Christopher talking about sort of his weapons grade level of analytics that you're you're bringing into it, um, where I, I, you know, colleagues would be literally measuring the screen with a ruler <laughs> to, to see to gauge. So then go back to a client, you know, that's and value equivalence. I hate that. You know, um, and you could understand it with a ruler, with a hard copy print um, article, but actually trying to do the same on a on a screen that's got a different operating system and a different pixel size and resolution and everything else. It's um, it's a bit Mickey Mouse. Um, but I think if the if you go back through uh, where sort of a broader client brief might well be, which is it goes back to one of the things I said at the beginning. So, you know, how are we viewed by the absolute super core influential audiences that really matter to us day in, day out? I mean, there was, um, I, I think that's where um, we would be, say, picking just a very, a very small number of very, very influential individuals and using those as a lens through which to report back to our clients as the ones that we absolutely need to care about. So we maybe use Analytica that would, dem that would sort of generate a list of, say, uh, 500 names. We actually only want the top 10. And those are the ones that we would be, you know, they, uh, they sort of skew in terms of the importance for what we would be reporting back. I think there's another angle to it as well, where you've got that sort of uh, broader media coverage. We use a sort of peso strategy now, so paid and shared and owned. And, um, and, and the influencer bit fits squarely within the shared bit of that. But I think those, uh, those metrics that we're often reporting back, where we actually look to be reporting on all four of those. Um, I had one client just in the last year or so where actually the metrics that we were demonstrating back to them as a startup was, what does the front page of Google show? So not even about incoming leads or funnel top, bottom of funnel. It was, where are you under, uh, on a particular search term? Is your company 
associated with this key phrase and key search term. And within that, then it was a case of, right, we want actually there to be a mix of things. We want to earn media coverage. We want to see some, something that's a, sort of a, a piece of quality media. We want to see some good owned content by you and your peers with you at the top. And then crucially, we want to see a credible third party influencer post talking about that theme and using your language um, and your your terminology. And, and that even in and of itself, it didn't matter there where it fitted within a, a funnel per se. It was an influencer who we've um, sort of accredited and uh, triaged is using that terminology. Andy, you probably run into this, but one of the things that I always ran into when I worked in, in, in an agency was that clients refused to invest in measurement. Um, they would spend a hundred grand on a campaign, but wouldn't spend, you know, 25 cents on the dollar to measure it. And for a lot of stuff, particularly influencers, you need to invest in that measurement. Like if you're trying to reach CMOs, you need to be doing market research, paying money to interview CMOs and say like, have, when you think of, Influencer marketing software, what company brands come to mind? And if the answer is never Analytica, then obviously you know that you've got a serious problem because you're not reaching your, you're getting no pull through, but nobody ever measures any of that. And then they're like, why can't we measure influencer marketing ROI? Because you're not measuring anything, period, you dummies. Yeah, I, I think that's an absolutely fair point. I think um, certainly in the verticals where we um, have worked, and I have traditionally worked, um, that sort of the, the measurement and the focus on it and the action on it um, in, in most of those verticals is, should I say, quite nascent and, and the PR industry included. And it's quite interesting because by the same token, you're dealing with a lot of listed companies where you've got um, you've got live share price data, which is the ultimate uh, sort of measurement metric in terms of how a company is performing. Of course, there are lots of other factors that um, as we're seeing right now in terms of market performance. But, um, Andy, do you know what the real reason is behind this? Why they, they don't want to measure? They're afraid or? Uh, I think, no, I, I don't think it's a case of being afraid. I think it's a case of market evolution, actually. Uh -huh. um, and uh, and that's something where, you know, we, in terms of my work and my colleagues, is we are, I, I've seen more evolution in terms of that presentation back of of measurement and those sort of those metrics more uh, more of an evolution on those fronts within the last sort of two or three years that funnily enough we've been working with Analytica than um, in the 10 years before. And what do you think is it speeding up right now with the change where everybody start working online right now events uh, physical events are cancelled so what do you I, think? well I mean too early to tell Ronald I but I would absolutely expect that, um, that I think if I if I go back, I think there's a there's an element in some parts of the market where it may not be the client, because the client may not have that sort of measurement on their minds. I think you see it much more a highly more evolved market within marketing functions, mm -hmm. but within public affairs, corporate reputation, media relations. It's not it's not part of the body language of how those people have grown up. They've been much more um, around sort of maybe former journalists who have who have been more inclined, their DNA is much more thinking about it in terms of the quality of specific items of coverage. But I think that where organizations are learning from that, those marketing disciplines and are starting to use that more broadly across the business. But don't forget, companies have historically operated in very clear silos where marketing maybe haven't spoken to those other internal communications verticals that I mentioned. But I do think, Ronald, that the, the sort of digital evolution of um, of uh, organizations is going to speed that up for sure. 
Yeah. Okay. So, Ronald, what we're going to do now? All those, all those, uh, the PR, the corporate communications people who are they don't know they don't know where to get started. We're gonna we're gonna help them out. How how would you say you look? You would think about sort of adapting the metrics maybe over over the first six months. Say if you if you started from zero, you're working with a brand. They've asked you to you know they said look we want we want to consistently produce content with you over the next six months. What are the kind of things that you would be measuring in week two? versus you know in in that last month how like how would you kind of almost evolve uh, like your measurement framework over time and maybe it's, it's telling a little bit about the history when we started there were no insights requested and then step by step i think people want to have focus more on, on reach and then on more on, on engagement statistics and then further in the funnel they start thinking about um metrics like um, all the engagement and later, later on leads. I think if you look now, if you start working with the company, initially you start creating relevant content. So you look at the content, um, you build a program step-by-step step where the first content is maybe not that in-depth, more for the awareness part, and where you start thinking about metrics like um, yeah, the views, the, the likes, the comments, the shares, step-by-step um, step, go more into the audience. Um, so what type of roles are you addressing? What type of companies? What type of, of geographics are you addressing? And step-by-step, step, um, you start creating more relevant in-depth content. Um, initially, you can think about a webcast, um, maybe um, webcast where you need to, to register for, and steps after five, six months, you can create even more in-depth content about coaching series, really educating your market. And if people would like to have access to this coaching series they really need to register so it's it's lead generation and it's more um let's say i think one level after you have a webinar type of registration where people easily register where um 20 30 percent will attend if you go more into in-depth and really start guiding um your your visitors with coaching series then it's a level where you can measure okay how many times they come back what uh, chapters do they uh, um, do, do they study uh, what are they interested in and you get even more in-depth statistics from where a, a company and where these people are in their mind um in their journey from defining a specific topics which um you know, what, what i did was conversational ai and um, ai strategies um so from let's say the first level up to even lead generation and providing insights from where people are, which topics they really like. Um, that could be a, a path for either communication, but also for marketing and also for events, physical events that have been canceled right now. Yeah, for sure. No, um, I, I think that's very true. That that kind of building out, almost thinking about the the information you're gaining about leads as you as you sort of progress them through the funnel and that deeper information like you say someone signing up for a webinar they could be interested in lots of things deeper down the funnel someone you know who's, who's actually giving you clear signals about what area of your solutions they're interested in is is kind of something you want to think about so christopher do you think there's anything you know is it really about kind of laying out the the plan you know for the first six months or do you think do you think it's possible now to almost evolve as you go with with the amount of data available and kind of learn from the first three months quickly quickly check 
It depends. It depends on your sales cycle. Like if you sell a pack of gum, your sales cycle is five days at most, right? Um, so you should see effects very quickly. If you sell Gulfstream airplanes, your sales cycle is five years, right? And so your six months doesn't matter. So you have to scale your program to the sales and marketing operations funnel that the organization has. Break out those metrics like we were talking about earlier, branded organic search. When somebody Googles for you by name, that's a fairly quick thing to measure, right? You can measure that within days, uh, possibly even the same day if you have a influence that's strong in your community and, you, and there's enough search volume. You should be looking at website traffic that you're bringing in from that influencer. You, again, that's something that you should be able to measure um, fairly quickly. Then you go down your middle of funnel metrics. You know how, how long does it take in your existing funnel to go from uh, a, a suspect or a prospect to a marketing qualified lead or to a sales qualified lead? If it's two months, then when you have influencers creating activity on top of that, you should just see, you know, in two months time that if that's what it takes to get a sales qualified lead, that filter down. But it all goes back to what your existing data tells you and what metrics you're measuring those influencers on for their performance. So it's not a there's not a one size fits all answer. It's, it really depends on the company. So for you, Andy, I kind of want to I want to touch on some of the the other signals that you might be picking up from an influencer community and almost thinking about how do you how do you sort of turn that into into something that that gets action so maybe if your top 10 targets have changed what they're talking about or that they're, they're discussing the the sort of core issues in a new way how do you kind of incorporate that into a into a measurement framework uh right into a measurement framework that's hard um i think it would be you would do it as a separate report actually more of an insights report and so i think that's again going back through through the sort of the client relationships that we have our clients are very often saying to us, like, where is the white space? What, what could we be talking about um, uh, the, where our peers are not active or where we think there is an opportunity for us to get traction with an op-ed or, or maybe a white paper that could we could um, get some broadcast coverage off the back of or indeed to help underpin a campaign that we're doing. Um, I think there's a, that, that's where actually the, the sort of influencer communities are, are really useful. Um, we would probably be using um, a, a sort of an insights report where we might take some of the analytica data and put that through a lens of where what influencers are talking about and also what we're seeing through the traditional media lens as well to see where we think there's uh, there, there are sort of new themes that are coming up because very often um, our, our clients kind of, kind of feel that they know what they want to talk about but they're often very receptive to being told look you you want to talk about themes a b and c but actually d and e are of more interest to the kind of community that you care about so maybe we should think about doing something along these lines um but i i also that's that sort of um thing that we didn't expect to to, to see though i think if we think about what does that influence influencer relation progression look like from a from a, a corporate client's perspective i think you can actually see it grow quite clearly from show us the data of who these interesting people are that you think you think we should um, build a relationship with um, then help us uh, build a kind of rapport to get on the radar with these individuals um, and then it's a case of uh, let's see some kind of level of engagement from them whether it's uh, sharing of our content or a commentary about our content and then ideally it's where ronald was talking at the very beginning which is you you know the next absolute stage where you, i think 
culturally you start to get real traction within an organization and visibility and uh, momentum growing is when that co-creation stage happens because then effectively you've got influencer brand and corporate brand coming together at the same point uh, you know to work around a piece of content and that's the bit where everybody else in the organization then suddenly is very aware of okay what's this what's this new dynamic that we're seeing and then so i think that's a really key evolutionary stage ronald is that something that you've seen where you've been working with clients where it suddenly picks up when you get to that co-creation stage i do everything with with co-creation so as i said i interviewed between four and five hundred subject matter experts and, 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 and leaders in the industry so i always look for the combination what are you working on what i'm working on and try to generate and create content together um, I think it's it's ninety percent of the cases that um, if I work with brands, the way it works. Cool. So I think to to kind of wrap up, I guess the thing the, the thing I wanted to to touch on is is just thinking about what are our maybe what are our tips for maintaining accountability because I think it's really common uh, nowadays that we sort of feel like there's a lot of metrics that are thrown off by all of our kind of digital. Um, marketing and comms activity like you know most marketing organizations are drowning in metrics and I almost, I almost want to kind of go back back to basics and think what do you think is an effective way to sort of communicate around the impact that influencer marketing is having in a way that's going to sort of drive drive action are there any, any tips you guys have seen that that maybe consistently seem to drive action out of you know, within a within an organization, maybe wanted to get a you first, Christopher. The couple things. Number one, people are going to be asking about return on investment a lot in the next couple of years because anytime you run into economic headwinds, uh, efficiency of the dollar spend becomes critical. So, if you are not comfortable doing ROI calculations, get comfortable very quickly. It is straightforward: it's earned minus spent divided by spent. It's a math formula. <clears throat> um, more importantly. Make sure that you are measuring the things to the point of control. So influencer marketing, advertising, public relations, they all get people to the top of the funnel. They get people to the front door of, of the shop. And then what happens after that is out of the control of that particular campaign, right? Uh, Ronald, as an influencer, has absolutely no control over, say, Dell's sales process. If you end up with a crappy sales guy at Dell who you know just harasses you and you don't buy anything, it's not Ronald's fault that the sales guy is an incompetent moron. So to measure his performance on that is not ideal. When we talk about influencer marketing or traditional outreach, measure to the point where the control for that ends and use that as the KPI for the program. So if you're measuring on branded organic search, or you're measuring on survey data of you know CEOs within that sector, that's where that stops. And then it is incumbent upon the rest of your marketing and sales teams to carry that deliverable that audience that's qualified to the next stage and to the next stage and to the next stage so that would be my caution to anybody who's looking at this you're not i've i've yet to see an influencer program that delivers you know five million dollars of, of qualified sales immediately because the influencer is not a salesperson um, and to treat them like that is going to create a a fatally flawed uh, influencer strategy so measure to the point of responsibility and, and then measure afterwards outside of that Andy, do you think, you know, do, are there any other ways? I should obviously point out as well that incompetent morons are available uh, everywhere in all good bookstores. Um, but, um, 
Are there, is there kind of anything else when, when you're thinking about, you know, making sure the results um, communicate kind of, uh, yeah, create accountability within, within the organization, both, you know, for you as an agency, but also within the client to make sure that the right people kind of see things and understand what to do about it. Is there anything that you, you really try and put in place? Yeah, I think the, so where you get more traction with an organization, it kind of goes back to that point about co-creation. That's sort of a, an evolution point where uh, an organization, you know, it's awareness of, of what the opportunities are increase. And I think when you are reporting back your metrics, when we are reporting our metrics back to clients that that uh, include the sort of the shared and influencer elements around the full peso strategy, um, and the performance across all of those various uh, various elements, then that's very meaningful. And also then getting it into a sort of broader distribution list, because in, in almost all cases, we would generally be working with like one individual within an organization. Um, and uh, it, I think the, the more people that you can have aware of the breadth of the strategy, the more kind of pickup that you can you can get from that. Yeah, no, I absolutely agreed. It's, I think, you know, making more people aware generally, I think the more people kind of know what's going on, the more people are going to have those, the, the kind of the ideas they're going to get, oh, have you thought about this? Or like, are you guys measuring this? Are you thinking, you know, oh, all relates to this other campaign that we're running? And I think that's generally a, a kind of sensible way to think about measurement and make sure you, you capture anything. Ronald, is there anything? Well, I just know, to interrupt, to actually, one thing, sorry to interrupt, but actually what Chris no. was saying, in terms of we're not sales people per se, but I would love to see the metrics kind of bolted into a sales force and see um, and, and watch that play out over a cycle and then give, give that back to, you know, people our side of things to see what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point. I think being able to see, you know, if you're providing higher quality leads, for example, through a particular type of campaign, being able to, to track that through is going to be really important because maybe those leads, you know, they don't convert as often into whatever stage in the sales where the sales guys start talking to them, but maybe they all close in 10 minutes. Whereas, you know, the, the regular white paper downloads take three years. So um, it's worth kind of thinking about, yeah, limiting what you, limiting what's outside your control, but also looking at, at what types comes to kind of come out the other end. So, Ronald, finally, is there, you know, in, in terms of making sure that everyone is um, is kind of kept aware, like are there, uh, are there certain processes you always try and put in working with a client to, to think about, you know, who needs to be aware of, of what results and how you can kind of optimize as you go and, and kind of hold everyone, um, make sure everyone's aware and is able to kind of action the data? Maybe a, a nice example, a company I work with, and I, I cannot mention any names but um, you see with these large organizations they manage it from corporate perspective often out of, of the us and this is let's say a really managed pr process and where the local um, countries were not allowed to do anything with influencers um, we did something together and then we performed very well so all the bells started ringing and they started calling hey what's going on um, what are you doing you're not allowed to do this but he was performing very well yeah, where we created content together and this was basically the trigger for this company to to change their influencer program start creating content together they scaled it up with i think 
we had three, four hundred percent right now in, in the last three, four months and they're scaling up even further. So if you can hit the metrics that your company is watching, just create action. And then if you have distraction, you build on this success and then you start co-creating, innovating together, defining new formats. And especially now, the coming months, there will be plenty of new formats created. So start doing things, see what works and things that works accelerate and, and build further on that. So I think for the coming months, especially as nothing is, is set in stone anymore, um, just create action, see the results and see if the, the bells got ringing in all the statistics, then you're doing the right thing and you can move on. Yeah, no, I absolutely, completely, completely agree. So uh, I, I think that's been hopefully a really a really useful discussion for, for the folks at home. I think we've, we've kind of heard a lot of, of useful different perspectives. Um, Chris is, you know, really, really strict and, and probably wise adherence to maths. The, the ROI, uh, Andy's, Andy's kind of, I guess, bringing us the corporate communications perspectives, thinking about those the kind of wider reputational factors and, and the content insights that brands want to be thinking about, with, you know, obviously his vast experience of kind of creating this, this type of content and, and analyzing the results. So thanks very much everyone for joining us. We, uh, at will of course probably be back soon with, with another one of these. So, so stay tuned. Um, thanks for watching everyone. Thank Take you. care. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.